pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. For over 23 years, Mark Peel was the executive chef and owner of the award-winning Los Angeles restaurant called Campanile. He actually began working in the kitchen as a dishwasher when he was just 17. Chef Peel has a passion for market-fresh food and is a leader of seasonal fresh ingredients in food. Mark's a frequent guest on television, appearing on Top Chef Masters, Hell's Kitchen, and as a judge on Knife Fight. Cooking professionally is very intense, both mentally and especially physically. Chefs spend their lives standing up walking quickly and even running in confined spaces, twisting, bending, and lifting heavy pots and pans. In fact, chefs are more likely to sustain injuries than the average American worker, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Strains, sprains, and tears are the most common complaints. Carpal tunnel syndrome is also common. For Chef Peel, working in the kitchen has led to carpal tunnel syndrome, thoracic outlet syndrome, and low back pain. It seems like a lot, but he's overcome all three conditions and continued to thrive in his career. Mark's here once again to share with us just how he's moved beyond the pain and reveal how his new fast food and ergonomically correct restaurant, Bombo, will protect cooks from pain and injury. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Millennium Laboratories, My Life Patient Program, and DC2 Healthcare, The Pain Community, and DepoMed Incorporated. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. In part one, Mark talked about the physical demands of being a chef, like standing for long periods of time, lifting heavy pots, and repetitive arm and wrist movements from gripping knives and other utensils. He described how physical therapy taught him how to treat the symptoms of carpal tunnel syndrome, and then discussed how lifting cast iron skillets for many years led to arm pain and weakness finally diagnosed as neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome. Let's continue to learn more from Chef Mark Peel. Welcome back to Aches and Gains. Oh, thank you. Let's continue now with our discussion of neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome. What made the difference in your life? What treatments did you get for it? Well, first of all, and it's absolutely essential, you have to change what it is you're doing that made you that way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's imperative. You can't say, oh gosh, this hurts. This might be debilitating. Well, I'll just carry on doing the exact same thing as I was before. It has to change. And then you have to treat it kind of aggressively, I think, using ice packs to reduce swelling, stretches. You know, I was stretching first thing in the morning, noon, before I would um, start working because it takes just a few minutes. 
you don't have to lie down or get naked or anything like that to do arm stretches. The one stretch I had, all it required was a doorway. Uh-huh. Plenty of doorways around. It wasn't <laughs> right. all that embarrassing. Right. It was just stretching my arm. I used to do that a lot. And then um, the judicious use of aspirin and ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. And you bring up some great points. A lot of my patients first undergo conservative treatments, and those would consist of things like uh, stretching exercises that you mentioned, nerve glides, uh, biofeedback, postural correction, and even ergonomic correction in the workplace. A lot of these treatments focus on decompressing the brachial plexus, which is a group of nerves or a network of nerves that lie deep in the neck that we think are compressed by an enlarged and scarred anterior scalene muscle, which is one of the deeper muscles in the neck. So in general, these treatments help restore muscle balance in the neck and provide neural mobility. And Mark, did you undergo a lot of postural correction in physical therapy? Yeah, I think so. There's a particular stance when you're cooking. You're not standing at a parade rest. You're standing at a table that may not be quite the right height for you. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit too low because there's everybody has to work at the same table. Right. And even though of an average height, you're still slightly hunched over with your shoulders hunched over mm-hmm. and your arms kind of, a, kind of tucked in doing all this repetitive motion. And so the physical therapy, they taught me was to at least periodically, every few minutes, stand up and stretch, go backwards with the shoulders. I'm doing it right now, just remembering it. Mm -hmm. Just one stretch. It was like imagining, told by the physical therapist, you stand up and kind of straighten your shoulders back, and then you imagine putting your elbow into your back pocket. Right. And that's the stretch, and it would just open up whatever was in there and it was just it, the numbness would just like evaporate mm-hmm. it was wonderful and to try to open that up and to not let it get cramped and that's i guess that is a postural thing and of course aspirin and ibuprofen is a godsend <laughs> right now i'm really happy to hear that you had such great relief from physical therapy corrections uh, some of the patients that i've seen don't unfortunately and what i end up doing then is injecting a little bit of botulinum toxin known as botox into that anterior scalene muscle to help decompress or decrease the pressure inside that space and and prevent that muscle from compressing the brachial plexus and causing symptoms down the arm like numbness and pain and weakness or even causing neck pain or headaches. Also remember that a lot of patients who have neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome develop pain in the trapezius muscle, which is that muscle that uh, sort of serves as the coat hanger of the shoulder blades. And injections with a little bit of local anesthetic into certain parts of that muscle can be extremely helpful in reducing pain. Mark, tell me today, how is the condition? Well, I, it's still there. It's, um, and it rears its head every once in a while. Yeah. Um, especially on the left side for whatever reason. And I'm right-handed. I don't know why. Um, you know, especially in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm able to um, get rid of it by the, by using by doing some stretches in the morning. Yeah. Um, you know, and and postural things, and and um, driving correctly. You know, it's the old thing about the hands on ten and two. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the one at ten got sits in my lap a lot. 
<laughs> well, listen, I'm really happy to hear that your symptoms are controlled and that it's not impairing your life. For those that need surgery, surgery can be quite useful. And there are some new studies on the use of robotic surgery and endoscopic surgery that might increase the effectiveness of surgery and reduce any side effects associated with it. Mark, let's transition now to low back pain, because I imagine that that many years of lifting heavy pots certainly can lead to low back pain and maybe shooting leg pain. What did you experience? Um, it did shoot down my legs. I mean, I hurt my back pretty badly one time. Uh, it resulted in some permanent numbness down my right leg, mm-hmm. uh, plus on my shin. Mm-hmm. And what was the diagnosis? I mean, was it determined what it was in your spine that was causing these symptoms? Well, I don't know if there was a particular diagnosis. It was mm-hmm. just, you know, I had some x-rays and things like that. And then they said something like age-appropriate stenosis is there. And, and, I, and I entered it. Yeah. Uh, there was, it, I remember it was, uh, we were doing a huge benefit uh, for something. And I promised, had promised to do uh, this braised uh Chicken thighs in a very aromatic and juicy sauce with lots of wild mushrooms and things. And it was for about 600 people. Wow. And uh, so I had all of these pans that I was loading into a rack oven, which is a huge oven that will hold enough, will cook for enough for 600 people at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was late at night. I was really tired. I had been working all day. And I had all these pans, and I was lifting them up and twisting around, loading this thing up, um, and I tweaked my back. Yeah. And the next morning, I could hardly move. Wow. And I went to a chiropractor who did nothing, and I went to the event. I spent the entire, most of the event uh, lying on the ground in the parking lot. Wow, wow, that's terrible. You know, by way of background, low back pain actually is one of the most common disabilities in the Western world. In fact, it affects something like uh, 80% of Americans at some point during their lives. And the costs are massive, estimated somewhere between 100 to $200 billion annually. The causes can be complex, but discogenic pain, that is pain that comes from the intervertebral discs, accounts for most of the causes of chronic low back pain anyway. Most low back pain is considered nonspecific, also known as mechanical, uh, and often due to things like musculoligamentous sprain or strain, uh, problems with the disc, the facet joints, which are the joints that stabilize the spine, or compression fractures or traumatic fractures of the spine, or alignment disorders, for example, uh, scoliosis. It's also very important to exclude other causes of low back pain, like cancer, infection, or inflammatory disorders. But but you mentioned spinal stenosis, which is a narrowing around the spinal cord itself or around the spinal nerves, which certainly can cause low back pain and often shooting leg pain or sometimes even no pain, depending on the severity. Core strengthening exercises in the abdomen as well as specific stretches for the low back muscles can be really helpful to stabilize the spine and reduce pain. Along with that, nerve blocks or injections of local anesthetic and steroid can also provide relief depending on your symptoms and the nature of the stenosis. And Mark, what was the most beneficial treatment for you? I just, you know, rest Mm -hmm. and, you know, gentle stretches and 600 milligrams of ibuprofen. I'm glad you mentioned the use of Motrin, or also known as ibuprofen, because the guidelines for treating low back pain recommend medications like acetaminophen, known as Tylenol, and the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. 
For example, drugs like Celebrex and Motrin and Naproxen initially. The rule of thumb is this, to take the lowest dose for the shortest period of time. Many of the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs really haven't been studied for long-term use, so the data isn't there necessarily. But if you take an NSAID for a longer period, Blood pressure is generally checked at intervals. Uh, assessment of any stomach upset or reflux is assessed as well. And even kidney function should be checked to ensure that the medication is safe. Mark, did you try other drugs like uh, Cymbalta, also known as Deloxetine, which is uh, FDA approved for musculoskeletal pain? Or did you try acupuncture, for example, which is shown to be effective for low back pain and shooting leg pain? At that time, I was just doing the ibuprofen. Uh, 600 milligrams is a pretty heavy dose. Okay, and let's find out what else you tried after the break. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, a global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Visit tamethepain.com to learn about treatment options for chronic pain. Teva, a leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Millennium Health is a leading health solutions company that delivers accurate, timely, clinical actionable information to inform the right treatment decisions for each patient at the right time. Millennium offers a comprehensive suite of services to better tailor patient care. More information is available at www.millenniumhealth.com. My Life Patient Program and DC2 Healthcare, connecting patients to top physicians in the United States, reaching the highest standard of patient care through research patient programs and gains in overall health. For more information, please visit mylifepatientproject.com and dc2healthcare.com. Welcome back to the show. We're here with Chef Mark Peel, talking about the physical demands of being a chef that led to low back pain. Mark, did you use any opioids to help reduce your pain? Like a Vicodin? I think I have had that. And something else. I forget what. Mm -hmm. And those are great. You know, you can't work on them, but they're helpful for a while. They can be remarkably helpful, and I do have patients who use opioids and who do work, actually, and function well in life. Mark, how did the carpal tunnel syndrome, the thoracic outlet syndrome, and the low back pain affect your life? How did it affect your profession and your home life and your emotional state? When I've really hurt my back and I'm flat on my back mm -hmm. and in pain, it's, it's awful. I can't, I can't work. I can't cook. I can't run around with the kids. I can't drive because it's painful to drive. Right. So, you know, luckily that will go away in usually in less than a week. Mm -hmm. But for that week, it's awful. No, I, it sounds like it. Mark, do you still have low back pain? You know, I have still a little bit of chronic pain all the time in the lower back. But I haven't really tweaked it that badly in a few years. I'm very happy to hear that. And how are you doing with the carpal tunnel syndrome and the neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome? How are you doing with those two? That's, again, that's kind of in the background. It's kind of chronic, but it's not that debilitating now. Well, that's good. Mark, despite the discomfort, you've continued to thrive in your career. But I have patients who've become disabled and lost their jobs from, from both uh, carpal tunnel syndrome and especially neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome. How have you overcome these challenges? Well, I've had to adjust um, what I do. You know, I'm not 21 anymore. Right. I can't work on the line 
12 hour days, six days a week. I remember those days and they were great. You know, we were invincible and immortal. Yeah. And sometimes even then I would do stretching exercises before the beginning of service because I know they would be extremely intense. Mm-hmm. But I can't do that anymore. You know, there are all kinds of other, you know, injuries that accumulate too. I've had three hernia surgeries oh. from lifting pots and pans. But I did learn, I learned one thing, you know, when they give you codeine and Tylenol mm-hmm. and then they tell you, you can't drink. I remember the first time I went home and I'm lying there, I'm bored. I'm not sick, but I'm in pain. I've got a cut in my abdomen. Right. I think, well, one glass of, one glass of wine is not drinking. <laughs> when you're on Vicodin, it's drinking. Uh-huh. You cannot drink right. at all. Right. Throwing up with fresh abdominal scars is not fun. Mm. That's my piece of medical advice. When you're on <laughs> Vicodin, one glass of wine is still drinking. You will throw up. Very, very good point. Mark, do you know other successful chefs like yourself who suffer from work-related pain? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't want to name any names because I haven't asked them if I, if it was all right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, good friend. Both his, his feet are flat as pancakes. And lower back pain is chronic throughout the industry from lifting. Yeah, you know, I didn't really realize that. When I watch the TV cooking shows, mm-hmm. I think that I also don't realize the impact that lifting heavy pots and pans, chopping and dicing, for example, mm-hmm. have on the body. TV cooking shows are not restaurants. Uh-huh. It's very, very different. It's like lawyer shows. You don't get to the to trial at the end of 24 minutes. And I'm sure that you've seen plenty of doctor shows and you probably have to, you know, close your eyes and, and pinch your nose. like <laughs> And and that's the way I feel about cooking shows. They do not accurately depict what is like things you like in a restaurant. Yeah. You can't be that abusive as some chefs are and be successful. You can't. Sure. Sure. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Is there a point when you and uh, other successful chefs need to step away from the kitchen entirely? Yeah, well, not entirely because you can be in there, you can be you can be observing and teaching and training and tasting and creating, but you can't be making it for 600 people right. in a very high pressure atmosphere. Mm-hmm. At what age do you feel that you need to walk away from the line and do what you're talking about, teach and, and taste and create? I would pinpoint towards the end of your 40s, early 50s. It's not that you don't have the strength, you don't have the resiliency. Okay. I think that you lose a little bit of stamina and resiliency. Yeah. Your body's not as flexible. And so when you twist, uh, you know, abruptly, mm-hmm. instead of just twisting, you, you twist and, and you get a spasm. Sure. I mean, I think as we age, the spine degenerates. So do the discs in between the vertebral bodies and, and puts us at risk for pain. When we come back from the break, we'll find out what Chef Peel recommends in order to extend a chef's career. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. DepoMed Incorporated, a specialty pharmaceutical company focused on developing and commercializing products to treat pain and other central nervous system conditions. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives. Reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. For cutting edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter or like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Welcome back. Mark, 
what do you think chefs can do to extend the time that they can work professionally? I mean, beyond their late 40s and 50s. What would you have new chefs think about in terms of uh, preventive health strategies, for example? Cooking, especially on the line, is very physical, but it's not the right kind of physical. Right. One, you have to pace yourself. You know, don't work 12 hours a day. Work 10. Don't work 6. Work 5. Stretch. Uh, Stretch, stretch, stretch. Get exercise. It's not the same as working out or running or swimming or something like that where you're really stretching the muscles. The cooking on the line is tension-inducing, not (laughs) tension-relieving. Right. Wear support stockings, even if you don't have a varicose vein. It helps with the blood circulation. It's not embarrassing. It just looks like a long stocking. Mm -hmm. I think those are excellent suggestions that most cooks haven't considered and really should. Mark, talk to us about your new restaurant, Bombo, again. I've heard that you have an innovative concept of making the restaurant ergonomically correct for cooks. Well, yes, I think that that's important. There are going to be a few heavy pots and pans, but not kind of on the line. In fact, I'm going to use no pots and pans on the line at all. There are going to be large pots and pans for making broth, and it's going to be very, very important that people share the load. Two people have to carry the big pots. That's just a rule now. It has to be done that way. So, Mark, I feel like you're creating a trend. All restaurants and hotels, all food service has to go this way. Ergonomics is extremely important. How far do people have to reach to get those pots and pans? How heavy are they? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to use cast iron skillets, don't put them on a high shelf like I did. Put them down. Put them right on the stove. It's a sliding thing instead of a lifting thing. Exactly. Don't put them so far away. Use smaller containers for roasting and braising so that you have you have smaller components instead of one big pan use two small pans mm-hmm. and there are standards out there that are available to anybody who wants to look it up how far should a normal human being have to reach in a situation like that studies have been done you don't have to do it yourself well except that it seems like those standards aren't necessarily being applied Well, I think that any architect or kitchen designer worth his salt has to apply them. Unfortunately, chefs go to cooking school and they don't take classes in ergonomics. I remember I did. It was part of a facilities design class that I took, and the field has improved enormously since then. Mm -hmm. You can't depend on just chefs alone to know what's supposed to be done. Exactly. And finally, what would you recommend to chefs and cooks who have developed work-related pain that just doesn't go away? Do not ignore it. Get medical attention. Going to someone who's going to read your auras is not going to do it. And be assiduous about it. Mm-hmm. When they say stretch three times a day or six times a day, do it. Right. And do it right. And pay attention and to remember that you're, that each individual is, is valuable, not just to themselves, but to their family. You're absolutely right. And Mark, thanks so much for being here once again on Aches and Gains. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And now for an email question. Here's a question from Ty in Towson, Maryland. Dr. Christo, will you talk about the use of medical marijuana for pain? Sure, Ty, that's a great question. Marijuana, also known as cannabis, contains chemicals called cannabinoids. Delta-9-THC, known as tetrahydrocannabinol, is the one most well-known. THC is an active component in medical marijuana, but there are others like cannabidiol. These chemicals bind to certain receptors called cannabinoid receptors. They're located in the brain, spinal cord, and nerves, all to reduce pain. Actually, endocannabinoids are the term used for our brain's own cannabis-like substances. These substances help regulate inflammation, pain, food intake, and addictive behavior. 
while medical marijuana is legal in certain states and can help ease pain, I think you need to be careful. Dispensaries aren't subject to government standardization, so the potency of THC, for example, may far exceed that used for clinical trials. On the other hand, there's growing excitement about using the cannabinoid called cannabidiol for pain suppression. Most of the evidence is in animals right now. It looks safe, and some even say beyond promising. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.